Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show with me, Lewis McParlin. Four big results came this week in Ligue 1 that will drastically affect the title race this year, with some teams keeping pace while others are starting to trip up. There were 10 midweek fixtures this week in the French top flight and we'll be having a look back at the games in this podcast. Alongside me today I have Eric Devin, Jeremy Smith and Mr Thomas Wiseman to scythe through all the action. First though, let me set the scene at the top of the table as we went in to this round of fixtures. Lille, PSG Lyon and Monaco all entered this round of games with the hopes of a title still very much within their grasp. Monaco have definitely been the dark horses recently, as they've slowly crawled their way into the conversation under Niko Kovac, but that being said, they still travel to Strasbourg on Wednesday in fourth. Lyon were just a point above them in third, as they had a tricky game at home against recently managerless Rennes, more on that in a minute. PSG were just a point above them as they battled against Bordeaux, and then it was Lille topping the table with a two-point cushion as they played Marseille at home. It ended up turning into an extremely dramatic night with Lyon, Lille and PSG all picking up wins, while Monaco slipped up to a 1-0 defeat away to Strasbourg. Frédéric Wilbert with the injury time winner as he piled on the misery for Le Monégasque. Like I said, the three teams at the top did manage to pick up nine points between them, but none of them made it particularly easy. PSG won 1-0, but Kaylor Navas really had to make some top saves to keep the score that way. Leon huffed and puffed, but eventually got their goal through sub Husam Awar to get past Ren. But it was in the north where the most drama was seen. Marseille, a, a team definitely in flux at the moment, managed to keep the title chasing Lille quiet for 89 minutes. It was just the 90th and then the 92nd that they struggled with, as misfiring Canadian Jonathan David scored a late brace to keep the dog top of League in, and that is how it stands at the moment. Eric Devin, some really big results in this round of fixtures and this title race just seems to keep going and going. It's really one that's got a lot of momentum and it seems like it could go right down to the wire, something we've not seen a lot in France in the last few years. Yeah, I think you'd have to go back to probably Montpellier's title where there was really um, such a um, a tight title race. Uh, and that would be, yeah, nine years ago. So, I, yeah, I think it's impressive. I think that Lille, you know, again, have wobbled in recent in recent weeks. Uh, I think that they've they've missed Barak Yilmaz, to be sure. Um, but he is expected back for the, the team's next match, which is a massive one against Monaco um, someday week. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, sh- showing the determination they did to get that result against Marseille yesterday, uh, you know, just as... You know, in terms of rebounding from their results uh, against Strasbourg and, and Ajax in, in their two most recent matches, I think um, that resilience that they showed uh, is a um, is great. And I think it's also showing um, the diversity that this team has in attack. Uh, you know, if Jonathan David, I think, has seven goals in the calendar year now, uh, which I, I don't know if is the top in Liga, but is certainly has to be up there in terms of the um, number of goals he scored the calendar year. So he's finally starting to come good, um, you know, even as some other players to be flagging a little bit. Izichi has not been uh, at his best in recent weeks, but I think that um, the diversity of options that Galtier has in attack and now the fact they don't have to deal with the Europa League, 
uh, is good. Again, uh, Sunday's match, next Sunday's match is massive, but uh, you know I, I think a win there will put uh, Leal in very good stead, um, and, and they're showing the fact that uh, you know uh, they you know might not have had the depth to compete on two fronts, but uh, I think will continue to make a fist to this title race. And Eric Devin, I know I called Jonathan David misfiring in that intro, kind of just jumping on the narrative that has slightly built up around the Canadian uh, since he's come to France. But nine goals in total in Liga in this season, like you said, seven this calendar year. He's really starting to turn up and look like the player that Lille hoped he would be when they bought him in the summer. Yeah, and again, I think what's even more impressive is his recent spate of good form has come with um, with Barack Yilmaz on the sidelines. And I think the one thing that people haven't realized is that uh, a lot of his time in Belgium, he was played as either a second striker in a 4-3-1-2 or even a number 10 in that same that same uh, system. So to not have a, you know, a more physically imposing striker alongside him in the form of Yilmaz, you know, not only in terms of Yilmaz's physical quality, but Yilmaz's experience, um, Yilmaz's, uh, you know, attitude, Yilmaz, I mean, you know, he's, 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 what are we, what's the, the phrase, uh, you know, um, oh, help me out here. Uh, like Sergio Ramos is a something merchant, I'm blanking on the word. He's like a, a I was going this word as well, it's like, um, he's a, a um, oh my it's god. Sergio Ramos, the wind-up merchant. Wind-up merchant, there we go, yes, yes, <laughs> that, thanks, yes, yes. No, and I, I, I do think there's... I but we'll go with it. <laughs> I do... Well, that's a, that's a nicer way to say it. I do think that there is there is something about that to, to Yilmaz's game and that, you know, much like Loic Remy had been a key to this team last season without exactly filling filling the nets, I think that that, that sort of veteran now and experience and combative quality uh, and willing to play in a sacrificing way has been really key. So yes, Yilmaz has been missed, but the fact that this team have continued to keep the pace with him unavailable and that, that um, David has you know, adapted his game and improved in recent weeks despite his teammates' absence, I think is, I think really bodes well for the run-in. Um, they'll certainly do have a, a challenging set of fixtures left, but um, I believe they have to play, I believe the top three all have to play each other still, um, which means that there's, you know, plenty more, there's plenty, there's plenty yet to be decided here, but um, I, I do, I do have to think that I think Lille are just, uh, narrow favourites, particularly if PSG do continue to advance in, in both the Coupe de France and the Champions League. And it was two massive goals for Jonathan David there as he got the win for Lille. You know, two really late goals to get them over the line against Marseille. And Jeremy Smith, so much is said about the Canadian this season and, and some people have drawn some comparisons in terms of the type of purchase it was for Lille to Victor Ossiman when he came uh, last season. and He was playing in Belgium the year before. He had experience in Germany, yeah, but he really came to France and hit it off and was fantastic last season for them. It was, it was really a shame that his season actually got cut because of all the obvious circumstances. But Jonathan David... If, if anyone is going to lead them to a title, it's going, to, it's going to be a striker, so it has to be this man. And this time last season, this was, in terms of matches played, this was just around when the season did get called. Victor Rossiman, who, you know, ended up going to Italy for millions and millions of pounds, only had two more goals than Jonathan David actually does have at this moment. So do you think, given a bit more time, he'll be looked at with the same opinion that we looked at Victor Rossiman a year ago today? 
Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be looked at in exactly the same way. I mean, just to, to be parochial and, and bring it back to mess, um, Diallo only had one one goal fewer, I think, than Ozymen last year. And, and look at the struggle Mess had to sell him. So I think it was just that Ozymen sort of really exploded onto the scene and sort of caught people's imagination. I think also he, he's an out-and-out striker. I think he's a different kind of player to David. And I, th- I think, although the first half of the season was, was very slow in terms of, of goals scored for him, I, d- I don't think he was ever necessarily brought in to be a prolific number nine. I think he's more uh, got the potential to, to be a second striker, to kind of play across the front line. Um, whereas for me, Ozymen is just out and out, sort of down the centre. Um, so actually, it's it's kind of funny that for me, David at the moment is playing more in like a centre forward in that I don't think his general play is that fantastic, but he's coming up with the goals. You know, yesterday, I don't think he had a, a particularly stellar match, but he was there where it counted to, you know, classic sort of fox in the box, uh, you know, knocking in a, um, a rebound and then sort of getting a, a second chance at the for his second one. Um, late on, and, and that's what you what you expect a, a, a you know an out and out centre forward to do. But as Eric said, I think that the, the great thing about Lille is that um, they've got three or four goal scorers who can sort of share the workload, and there always seems to be one stepping up when when another doesn't. Um, and I'm pleased that for David that because that's how it's worked during the season, it's, it took a little bit of pressure off him. I know there was still a lot of eyes on him. Um, in the first half of the season, but it took some pressure off that while he wasn't scoring, at least others were. Um, and now now it's good that he's sort of playing his part, but I, I don't think anyone's going to be looking at him sort of in Italy, Spain, England and thinking, yeah, he's somehow we're going to sort of um, spend upwards of 60 million on yet. And, and that's the thing, Jeremy, with David, like a lot of the goals that I've seen him score this season... None of them are, are not, most of them are, are tappings. Like you said, a bit of a fox in the box. A lot of them are getting on the end of rebounds, getting on the end of dodgy crosses that fumble about in the box. But he's there to always put them in. And a lot of young strikers that you see coming through nowadays, especially at the kind of elite clubs at, at the top level, they come short, they're great in the air, they're great on the ball, they're spinning, they're turning, they're, they're hitting into the top corner. David, at least so far in his time in France, I don't know if, how it was elsewhere when he was at Ghent, but at least when he'd been in France, it has been a lot happens a lot of like you said fox in the box type qualities but Jeremy is that such a bad thing you know if you're getting nine goals nine career goals in your first in your first year in the top league of France that's still good I guess you know even though it might not have been the sexy goals that we saw Victor Rossi men score so many of last season no it's not a bad thing at all and and to be parochial again Brighton would would kill for someone who can just <laughs> um come up with tap-ins at the <laughs> mm. um I, I'm just saying that for me, he he came in not as a kind of tap-in style striker, um, and so it's actually I I've been sort of pleasantly surprised that he has that to his game as well. And whereas I've been slightly disappointed with his more general build-up play, which is where I thought he'd be a little stronger, um, I think it, it probably shows his intelligence that you know in terms of timing, in terms of. Um, positional awareness and kind of being at the right place at the right time. And, and also there's um, a couple of those goals, although they, they sort of tap in. So I think 
there's been a couple where um, he sort of made it a tap in with, you know, a clever shoulder drop or, um, you know, really good first touch to, to make the second touch um, a pretty straightforward finish, that kind of thing. So it's taken him a little while to settle, but I, th- I think we are starting to see the best of him. And, and um, yeah, whether it's tap-ins or, or um, his more general forward play, I think he's settling and, and looking better and better. Um, and, yeah, while, you know, Bamba sort of had a great start to the season and have gone a little bit cold now, Ikone is only showing stuff in flashes and, and Yazici does seem to have lost a little bit of form. Um, David's the one that, that's not carrying them at the moment, but he's the one coming up with the important goals and, and making sure that, that they stay just ahead of the others. Wednesday was a perfect oh, example of them tappings because both of his goals were, were um, especially the first one, was a basic tapping off. I think it was a... I think Mondonda just fumbled it um, and he was easy tapping from that two yards away and I can't remember what the last one was, second one. I think it was on the counter or something like that. Um, but yes, yeah, perfect example of just good anticipation from him. Yeah, we've seen that with a lot of his play. But, you know, mm. it's getting them goals. You know, there's no point Lille playing games and, and having so many opportunities but not not putting them in the back of the net. Um, Thomas Wiseman, let's look at Lille then a bit more as a as a unit then, just not as a Jonathan David FC. Um, these games, these, these sticky 2-0 wins, these 90th minute winners against Marseille, are these the games that you look back at when we get to May and go, yeah, that that's where the title was won. That's where the team yeah. really started to believe. Because if you saw yeah. the celebrations after the game, like Lille's social media teams were going mad with it, they <laughs> looked like a team that was really starting to get convinced. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to mention it really, but it's 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 those kind of wins and and just just about scraping scraping through games that Lille have done um, plenty of times this year. Um, that really, and they just they just get lucky on occasions, and it's that kind of thing where you think maybe that'll take them, um, maybe that'll take them as right to the to the top and, and keep them there, um, keep them there for the rest of the season. Just that that little bit of luck, that little bit of guts that they just show, um, and they, they they tend not to to give up, and and they got it, they got the the win out of this one. Um, so it's yeah, it's it is something that you you see in many title winning sides as they always say it's the scrappy wins it's the ugly scrappy wins scrappy wins yeah speaking of a scrappy win Eric Devin how, how did Leon get on against Ren? they got the 1-0 win but it had to come off the bench with uh, you know Arsenal midfielder Hussam Hussam Alwar uh, getting the goal after some lovely play from Memphis to Pie, wasn't it yeah I, I mean okay I, I've advocated on this podcast and on the Monday program that um Islam Samani perhaps deserves a chance given Tino Ketaweri was has been out of form. So yeah, Rudy Garcia must be listening. He 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 took my advice and he started um he started Slimani, but he started him in Tino Ketaweri's position, but Ketaweri on the bench, and clearly, as anybody who's seen both of those players play, uh will know that they their styles differ quite a bit. And I think that uh by trying to shoehorn Slimani into that role and not really providing him with very good service, uh, Leon looks really bereft of ideas. I think uh, Gomis, the run keeper, had one save to make in the first half. Um, yeah, it really wasn't a very convincing display in the first half from Leon. But, you know, they got the bit between their teeth. Um, they showed more inventiveness with Hour on the pitch. Cataway uh, had a goal, came on uh, on the hour mark, had a goal narrowly ruled out for offside, looked... 
you know, again, he didn't score, which has been a, an issue of late, given he is a forward. Um, but I do think that Leon have looked looked a little bit more lively in that second half, and that's, you know, probably as, as well as I've seen them play um, going back to that win over Brest. Um, I, I think they certainly looked sharper than they have in their last couple of matches, and I think that that's something that they can take heart from. You know, so long as they can, you know, keep things fresh as, as they continue to play in the Coupe de France, and they've got... Um, I want to say Sochaux on Saturday um, in the Coupe de France. So as long as they've got, um, you know, the ability to keep rotating that side and not get bogged down uh, and playing these cup matches, you know, I think that there is enough inventiveness and creativity and options off the bench there for Rudy Garcia to, um, to get results. That being said, you know, I don't think that 45 minutes of halfway decent football are enough to um, get the results that Leon are going to need in the biggest matches. Um, they have done well against against their fellow competitors. They beat PSG at the Parc des Princes. They had they held on for that draw against Lille. And the reverse fixtures of both of those are going to be massive, obviously, in the next uh, couple of weeks to come. And I think that, uh, you know, I think Rudy Garcia needs to make sure he has a clearer plan B um, if that 4-3-3 with Tukwokambi and um, Ketawari on the flanks is not working, is not firing, uh, to be able to switch more quickly, to be able to react more quickly, to inject creativity into that team um, in a way that makes sense. You know, I like Slimani as a player. You know, would it be the worst thing in the world if Leon played, you know, a 4-3-1-2 um, with, with Memphis dropping deeper and, and Toko Akambi and, and uh, Slimani or um, Slimani and Kataweri playing off of each other? Um, you know, or or looking at a three four one two, similar to has that similar to that they played in Lisbon this summer. Now I know they don't have Marcel, who is really key to that system, um, but I do think in the with the emergence of Sinali Diamande, they do have three competent uh, center backs, and I, I think that they could they could certainly make that system work if you if you played Cornet and Dubois as those wing backs. Um, so there's certainly food for thought for Rudy Garcia. So I, I think this is you know a bit of a, a dodged bullet, if you will. Uh, for Leon on Wednesday, but I, I think that there's that if if there's if the team are smart about it, um, you know they can they can look to consolidate and and take heart from the fact that you know they showed desire they they were down at their heels at the interval and they they came back and and showed a lot in the second half. So that to me shows says a lot about the team's you know quote unquote fighting spirit. I think that that's something that uh, they can from which they can continue to build. Um, Again, going into those key matches against PSG and Lille in the weeks to come. And the, the good thing you can say about Lyon at the moment is, Eric, that they are quite a, a varied squad. Like you were saying there at the start of um, that, saying that Tino Cattaweri's came in and he's dropped out. Islam Samani's had his time in the team. Matteo De Shiglio's had time in the team. Uh, Corny's had time in the team. Usama <laughs> <laughs> uh, has been in and out. It has been chopped and changed. But going into these last 10 games of the season, who do you think is going to be the guy dragging them forward? Who, who's going to be the, very, the, the the guy they can't live without for the last crucial 10 games of the season? It's got to be going Memphis. to really make a push. Sorry, it's got to be Memphis Depay. Um, you know, I, I think that the relationship he has uh, as a captain, you know, I think he showed, he's showing more, more maturity, he's showing less selfishness, um, and he's showing more inventiveness and that, that pass for hour and that run. Uh, yesterday was really lovely, um, and I, I think that you know whether it's goals, whether it's assists, and he's probably going to reach. Uh, he's got eight assists and fourteen goals, I think, at this point in the season. Um, 
He's joint top of the assist table, uh, and I think second or third in goals in the league. Uh, to have a player who is on form like that and um, I think clearly seems continues to seem motivated, you know, is really impressive. Now, again, I think that's interesting because, you know, we've talked about how Rudy Garcia might be a dead man walking, but uh, the fact that he's kept Depay on side, despite him being out of contract in the summer, is really impressive um, and, and kept him working. I, I think that, you know, Depay, despite his, his sights being set elsewhere, is someone who enjoys being at Leon, enjoys playing with a lot of these really impressive players who, you know, again, he's only 27, but players who are younger than him, uh, you know, whether it be Awar or, or Guimaraes, um, I, I think that he really enjoys that and uh, he seems to have a good personal relationship with these players as well. So um, building on that, I, I think he's got to be a, the, key, the key man going forward. Um, you know, he's shown on several occasions he can win a match by himself, uh, both this season and over, over all of his time at Lyon. Um, again, he can sometimes be a little bit rash and always wanted to take free kicks or um, or what have you. But, you know, his record from the penalty spot, his his goal and assist record, um, I think he started just about every match this season. Um, yeah, he's, he's had a really impressive campaign. And in some ways, it's been his most complete in France, even if the, the his raw numbers aren't uh, looked to, look to maybe end up being a little bit less than uh, he'd achieved in previous seasons. When I've seen Leon this playing throughout the throughout the season, I genuinely think if they had a top, a, a really good finisher of the ball, they would have run away with the title at this point, or at least be at the top of the table. Because if you, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of yeah. Toko Kombi, of course, yeah. as, a, as an Andre fan. But um, if you had, he's a not a great finisher. Yeah, he's not a great finisher. He gets into great areas, no, no doubt. But well, he isn't a great yeah. finisher. And if if Leon has somebody like I don't know. <laughs> Karim Benzema, maybe um, they would they would seriously because um, they just blow teams away sometimes with the amount of, they create and even if you look at the underlying numbers they're severely underperforming um, and every expected goals model you look at so yeah if they, it's just annoying that they just don't have somebody there because it's just more clinical yeah I mean it's funny because I I feel like. There have definitely been seasons over the last decade with, through Leon's sort of period of austerity where a good finisher has been the yeah, difference between yeah. them and a really embarrassing season. If you look at uh, Lisandro Lopez going back to like 2011 12, uh, Lacazette, you know, I, I think papered over a lot of cracks mm -hmm. uh, with that team as well. Um, you know, I think even, even a player like Mariano Diaz, you know, I, I, you know, his goals to minute ratio was excellent for Leon. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that. I think that, yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I love the work rate and pace and energy that Toko Akambi and, and Kataweri have, but, you know, it's feast or famine, right? I mean, you know, Kataweri might score a brace with one coming from a possible angle against Sente, and then he might, you know, I think it's, what, seven matches without a goal at this point? Um, since the Derby was the last time I believe he scored. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a useful player. Um, is is Kataweri the, of the quality to be starting on a title-winning team? I, I, I don't think so. And I think Toko Kambi is a cut above him. Um, I think just because he understands uh, the game at a higher level a little bit more just by dint of his experience. But yeah, absolutely. I think that not having um, someone who is an out-and-out -out goal scorer um, is, is a problem. And I, again, Slimani could be that player, but you've, you know, given his lack of mobility vis-a-vis -vis the system Leon play, you've got to sort of adapt things far more than they did yesterday to get the best out of him. So uh, it really is sort of a catch-22. Um, you know, 
uh, I'd love to see Benzema back, but I think, you know, even at 33 or 34 or however old he is, um, you know, he's, Leon will probably be a step down uh, for him. But, you know, if, if Leon don't have to deal with the pie salary this summer and, you know, maybe there could be room there for him to arrive for a nominal fee. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the case that, you know, even though Toko Akambi and Katawari have combined for more than 20 goals between them, um, you know, you don't see um, the clinical quality of like a player like, say, Kevin Volland has been um, yeah, yeah. over this great run for Monaco. Yeah, that, that's the thing with Benzema. He's getting kept. Uh, he's getting kept in the locker for next year's comeback, uh, <laughs> comeback season, and the title. Then Thomas, don't worry. It's twenty one twenty two. That's that's the title. Ben, that, Benzema uh, will be in the world. He'll be in the World Cup, maybe. Right? <laughs> By then, of course. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy Smith, you've got to feel though, though, with all this great conversation, you know, Leon beating Ren, Memphis Depay, great, terrific haircut, you know how it is, Lille getting goals, getting wins, that's great. But do you not just feel that at some point PSG are going to turn up the heat and just storm away with this title? If Leon trip up again a couple more times, which they surely will in the next 10 games, and Lille maybe trip up in the remaining matches, you've got to feel as if PSG are just going to switch on the, just their winning mode. I know it's not been fantastic so far uh, since the managerial switch, at least domestically, but I don't know, every every time I look at the title race and I look at the league table, Jeremy, I, I just think PSG at one point are going to turn it up. What do you think about that? I'm not sure they're going to turn it up, to be honest, but it's still, they would still be my favourites because I still feel that the other teams are more likely to drop more points than they are. Um, but I've been saying that for a while and it, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I mean, I guess at the weekend, I suppose, but, you know, again, Lille and, and Lyon to, um, to a greater or lesser extent showed a lot of character yesterday in, in different ways to, to, to get those wins and, and um, keep just ahead and just behind PSG. So, um you know, obviously, when Neymar comes back, that's going to be um, a little bit of a boost. And, and you know, I don't, I don't think PSG's win yesterday even should be particularly underestimated when you look at the fact that uh, Verratti, Mbappe, Di Maria, Neymar were, were, were all out. Um, and I think probably more than the others, because they're, they're still in Europe, they're going to have to be managing fitness and injuries more than the others. But I just think because they've done it so many times before, I just I think they might hold their nerve more than the others. But I don't think it's going to be a case of them sort of going up a gear and running away with it. I think it's more likely, I think a lot of it will be who drops the least number of points rather than who wins more points, if you know what I mean. But um, as Eric said earlier, you know, the, the fact that they all have to play each other is is sort of delicious, I guess. And, and for what it's worth in the kind of mini league between the, the definitely the top three, but I think the top four, even if you include Monaco, PSG have, have um, got a pretty poor record this season. So they'll need to turn that around in those matches that count to, to make sure that they do defend their title. Yeah, the, the two matches that PSG have back-to-back in the league, uh, away to Lyon and then Lille at home, I think are just going to be 
that's going to be the week or, or the 10-day period that the title gets decided. That's going to be when everyone's going to be watching the TV for those big games. Um, there's so much stuff I, I want to cover with this, but I do have to move on. It, it, Thomas, just before we finish off this segment, awful result for, for Monaco last night, wasn't it? Getting a, having a little bit of a slip-up, but do you think it's something they can recover from? Strasbourg were in quite good form going into this match, and it, it was a, some hit that, that won it for Strasbourg in the end. Do you feel that Monaco have the momentum though at the moment and the right manager to bounce back from this it's just one loss it's not the end of the world uh yeah i think i think they can they can still push on but um it's just, just mistakes like that and unlucky games i guess and they didn't play very well from what i heard um that might just keep them just just out of that that top three title race but it'd be great to have them um competing as well because they're just they're right there almost I know they're in and about it, and I don't think they're going to necessarily be right in there for the title. But considering some of the turmoil they've had in the last few years, I think yeah, Nico Kovac has had no, a terrific Kovac's first season as well. Oh it's my god, a, it's I know. been a brilliant first season for him. Think about it. I know. Mm. Um, okay, we we did have some news break literally about what was it 30 seconds before we we started recording 25 seconds before we started recording uh, and that is that Ren who sacked their manager Julian Stefan just last week after a poor run of form have, have signed a new manager the new man to come in and take the job take them forward former Leon coach Bruno Genesio has signed on the dotted line until June 2023 he's going to be, be the man using the money at Ren to try and get them back up the table and really create something there. Uh, I believe he'd been coaching in China between now and his last stint in France at Lyon. Thomas Wiseman, what's your initial reaction to this news? Is, is that a, an appointment that excites you, Bruno Genesio, back in France at Rennes? Silence. <laughs> Basically that. Um, I don't I don't know. I wanted some somebody more exciting. Um I think we've talked about this before, but uh, yeah, okay, yeah, it's exciting. Can't wait. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I guess it's not a new face, is it? You know, I, I was trying to think the other day, actually, when was the last time a really new face came to French football? And I think it was Andre Village, but it was pretty much. Uh, There's probably someone else in between in terms of coaches, but it's very rare we seem to get a new Coach. guy come right in. Kovac as well. That's a good show. That's oh, yeah, a good show. But like, look at Non. They signed in Kumbuari. We've had Raymond Bloody Dominic was taken out the bin <laughs> uh, for for the appointment before that. It's quite rare that you do no, get. He wasn't uh, taken out the bin. He was raised from the dead. <laughs> Dragged through the graveyard to was, get Non yeah. through what seven matches or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Eric, you're a you're a uh, Leon fan. You'll know a lot about Bruno Genesio and his time there. What do you think he'll bring to Rennes? And are you excited by that appointment just as much as Thomas is? No, no, I'm not excited by the appointment. But I, I mean, look, you know, Genesio, Genesio, I think was a decent manager for Leon. I think that to get them to finish where they did, uh, you know, given the churn of players, given the exoduses that they had, um, given the that there was little ambition for much of the time he was there, um, you know, really until that Chinese investment happened in, in, in 2016, 17. And you saw a player like Memphis come in. I mean, this this club was was struggling. But, you know, to see them breach a Europa League semifinal, that, that 
a tie against Roma is still, you know, I mean, post, I mean, in, save what happened in Lisbon, that's probably my favorite uh, moment uh, of, of Leon's, the last, say the last 10 years of supporting Leon at least. Um, so I think he did achieve some some great things, um, you know, batting over the odds, keeping keeping the team by and large in Europe, and, and getting some good performances out of them. Um, given given relatively limited resources, he developed uh, some he developed players. I mean, you know, you know, sort of putting some polish on the likes of Lacazette and Quarantine Tolisso. Um, you know, helping you know Nabil Fekir come back from that that horrible injury. Um, you know, he. He got a good season out of Matthew Valbuena in 16-17. Um, there, there are a lot of good things to say about Bruno Genesio. But if I'm a club that are patently as ambitious as Ren are, given the, again, you know, we talked about this uh, on uh, Monday, the fact that no team spent more on players th- this summer. Uh, that includes PSG. Not net spend, but they spent, uh, you know, some 80 million euro on players this season. Uh, bringing in the likes of Doku, Terrier, um, and those are the headlines, Sergio Garassi. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, hope for a young, a younger. Uh, for, uh, there's a lot of hope being placed in young talent in that team. To say nothing of Eduardo Camavinga. Uh, I think Naya Garrett is a is a defender who's really come on in leaps and bounds. Faitu Mwasa, Adrian Tufer, uh, Sasha Bowie. Um, there's yeah, there's a lot to like about this Ren side, um, but um, Genesio's experience is based on keeping a, a team that's used to being at the top table in French football there or thereabouts. Um, do we know what his his mandate is for, um, you know, p- bringing a team up to be at that top table as, as a permanent fixture, which the club seem to want to do given their outlay this summer? Um, I guess I, have, I kind of have, have questions about that. I, I also do think that, for me, one thing that was very problematic about Genesio was he chopped and changed tactics and personnel a little bit too much for my liking. Um, I think that uh, there was quite a level of frustration there that he was often misusing players. Um, and again, some of that was needs must, but some of it I, I just felt was experimentation for experimentation's sake in, in some ways, way, shape, or form. And I don't think that those young players are going to benefit from um, having a manager who is so want to do, to approach things in that way. So yeah, I, I, to, to, to you know, recap, I, I, I don't like this appointment. I would have rather have seen um, a younger and more forward-thinking manager, particularly one that, um, you know, Doku, I think, you know, was a, a, an absolute beast last night. Uh, a real, a really, you know, in, impressive, delivered a really impressive performance. Again, lacking in product. You know, he's the club's record signing. Do I trust Genesio to get the best out of him? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think that Part of his part of his part of the success he had in developing uh, Leon's young players is having had that working relationship with them, given his time at the club. Uh, if he's is, does he have the nous to just parachute in and improve uh, players of, of that ilk? I, I I don't know. I mean, the jury's out. We don't have a baseline for that. And I, I think that that to me is why it's a risky. Uh, it seems more like a safe pair of hands move than something that shows any level of ambition. Yeah, I, I I do know what you mean because they have been very ambitious with the the transfers, like you were saying, that the finance that they have put into the playing squad. Um, so maybe there would have been another name you could have taken, someone who I don't know, maybe gets bums off seats, you could say. Uh, but but Bruno Genesio has always been someone I, I quite like. Jeremy, I don't know what you think about this uh, appointment. In, in my time watching French football, 
one thing that I've always kind of attributed to Bruno Genesio is his team score a lot of goals. Teams score a lot of goals. That Leon team, I think it was in 16, 17 or 17, 18, he scored like almost 80 goals in a, in a calendar season, which is, he obviously had a very good squad, but a terrific numbers. And if he can continue that at Ren, that's only something that, that those fans will enjoy because under Stefan, I wouldn't say Ren were a, 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 an incredible attacking outfit, were they, Jeremy? Um, no, they weren't. I mean, I think they were they were sort of starting, let's say, at the start of this season to, to maybe settle in and, and get there a little bit and then they kind of reverted back to type. But in terms of Genesio, I'm sort of torn. I probably fall somewhere, I was going to say in, in between Thomas and Eric, but I just, I find it weird that Genesio comes across as a very bland character and yet he seems to attract such extreme views one way or the other. And, you know, there's been a lot of stuff in the last couple of days, obviously, that the Leon fans have always been very hard on him. And one of the sort of sticks they've been using to beat him with is how the media all seem to love him. And that, I, you know, that's not his fault if, you know, Ekip approached Genesio or whatever. It seems a bit harsh to criticise him for that. Um, I, I don't know. It wasn't the most exciting football at times. Um, he didn't get the Lyon team necessarily playing, you know, really good team football with a strong identity, but nor did Fournier before him, nor was Garcia after him, um, nor did Silvino, obviously, apart from maybe that, that one match. Um, I, 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 I think maybe people expected a little too much from him at Lyon. Um, with all the chopping and changing, with you know star players being being sold off each summer, I, I think he probably did as well as could be expected. And if even if the football wasn't that exciting, he was still getting, um, I think the 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 position the positions that you'd expect Lyon to get. So I think some of the criticism that he's received is harsh, and it's not an exciting signing. But and it would be nice to see a younger manager come in. But at the same time, you know, he's, I think he's 54. I suppose that's not young, but in a way he's young in managerial terms because he's only really had that stint at Lyon and then the, the stint in China. Um, so it's, it's hard to judge in one way or the other. In, in some ways, it's actually quite a risk because is he going to be one of those people who only really functions in, in the club that he's, you know, he knows best and has spent most of his career playing and coaching at and will he be you know a, a complete busted flush when he goes anywhere else or will he prove that actually he is a champions league or a champions league qualifying coach and he's going to show it even more so at Rennes because he won't have the same kind of squad to play with that he did at Lyon um so I'm torn because I'm also sort of wavering from one extreme to the other and part of me is thinking it's a really boring appointment another another part of me is thinking actually it's a reasonably brave appointment because it could very easily go down in flames um and at this stage you know i i don't think it's necessarily fair to to lump him in with the likes of dominic and, and Comboare. i think there's there's a lot more to him than that um and if you're going to appoint someone at this stage in the season rather than wait until the summer i suppose that does limit your options quite a lot as well um and Yes, Ren have been spending a lot of money and they're definitely on a sort of upward trajectory. But for all their um, dysfunctionality, they're not Marseille. Marseille are going to attract bigger names. 
you know, San Paoli, I don't think, is going to go to Ren. And there was talk of Gallardo, but if he's going to go back to France, you'd have thought he'd be holding out for a Monaco or a Lyon or maybe even a PSG. I'm not sure Ren yet at that stage that he'd, he'd leave what he's got in South America for them. So I think maybe at this stage, looking for a coach in early March, um, I'm not sure that there is was anyone that much better than than Genesio available. Um, maybe they, on reflection, they should, we might kind of say, say they should have waited until the summer and, you know, maybe made a play for for the likes of a, a Pellissier or a Dallolio. You know, it would be nice to see one of them given a chance at a slightly bigger club. Um, but I, d- I don't think it's such a bad appointment. I get that everything about Genesio does not get the heart pressure up, the block. Heart pressure, blood pressure, whatever the phrase is. <laughs> One but, of them. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, maybe maybe that's what Rem needs at the moment. I don't yeah. know. Stefan, I still have always had the impression that although a lot of it, I think, was kept internal, that Stefan's way of management had a touch of the Mourinho's about it in that he sort of liked to create tensions with those above him, with the players under him to get reactions and maybe after that they're looking for a little bit more stability and someone who's just a, a little bit calmer um for better or worse there's you know there's definitely um disadvantages to that but maybe at least to kind of steady the ship for now maybe Genesio is the right appointment yeah. i just wanted to say as, as, as oh sorry go ahead no, I was just going to repeat, but in some ways it is a risk because we don't know what he's like outside Lyon. Yeah, what I wanted to say just as a coder to that is I don't think that Genese is a bad manager. I, I think that he does have attacking flair. He did do very well with Leon. For me, it's just an issue of fit. That's that's all, all it really comes down to. Um, I don't think that given his track record, he makes the most sense for, for Ren at this point in time. I don't think he's a bad manager. I thought he did fine with, with Leon when he was there. He he kept them where they needed to be under some dire financial strains. That 15-16 season where he got them into the Champions League with that big win over Monaco come the, at the end of the season when um, when Fakir had been hurt, you know, he's he's definitely got some feathers in his cap from his time at Leon. I just, it's an issue of fit for me. Yeah, I think I think you got to think of what do what are Ren actually looking for now? What are Ren's goals? Because I don't really see them challenging for for Champions League. I think they see them just below. Um, and then when you look at Genesio, there you think, well, maybe it's not that bad of an appointment for for a team for a team like that. And they've got plenty of talents. And Genesio did certainly some good with with some of the amazing talent that Leon had at the time. Thomas, how do you think Ren see themselves? In terms of where they're aiming, I know you don't see them maybe as one of those teams, but how do you guess, see them? Yeah, I guess they probably. Well, in an ideal season, where would they have finished this year? You know, if things had maybe worked out under Stefan, I'd, I'd say Champions League place. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's 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 all these teams in flux. There's a lot of teams I feel in France right now, especially the last two years, have all been kind of in flux, and and Rennes are turning into that one. And that's not always the worst thing, you know. You you got to have a bit of flux to kind of push yourselves up the up the league table. But um, I don't know, Bruno Genesio is going to be a, a he's someone we all know about, but he's going to have to be someone we will have to keep an eye on in terms of is he going to be a extremely 
successful guy at Ren. I hope he does. I, I know none of, us, none of us are saying we, we hate the guy. We just we say we don't know if it fits here. We don't know if it works there. I do like him as a manager and I hope it does work out in the end because, you know, Ren, they've got a lot of good players. I do, I do like a lot, of their, a lot of their squad. Still to be convinced on Jeremy Doku, but, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to have him score 20 goals between now and the end of the season or something stupid like that. Um <clears throat> okay, I, I was going to talk a little bit longer about this, but we've only got about five minutes left. I just want to have a quick word on Mets this season, Jeremy. Obviously, last night they didn't have the best of times. They had a 1-0 loss to Onji in the GFFN preview show Derby. Uh, Angelo Fulgini getting the goal in that one. Thomas will be glad to hear. Um, <laughs> and it had an, the game had an insane end where uh, Ukija... Alexandra Kija sent off at the end for absolutely just starting to swing fists at Suleiman Dumbia, who uh, kicked the ball away coming into coming into extra time. He then gets sent off. He uh, like raises his hand at, at the referee. He goes and absolutely batters a cushion beside one of the camera guys, um, and then walks off. Quite a strange one because I've, I've never really seen him in that way, Akija, but that's how the game ended. Uh, just a quick word though, Jeremy, on Mets this season. Last season, they finished 15th, whereas this year they're battling right up there for the Europa League spots. It's, it's been a quite a turnaround. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if turnaround's the right right phrase because even last season, they were, they were terrible the first half of the season, but they had a very good um, start to 2020. Um, were one of the four teams before the before the season was cut short, but certainly the way this season has turned out, I think, has obviously massively surpassed expectations. I mean, the, the 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 aim was still avoid relegation and then um, hopefully sort of come the spring look to to push on a little bit and, and um, improve on last season's finish. But you know, to be uh, challenging for for Europe at this stage was, is is beyond anyone's dreams I think and particularly you know six matches into the season you lose pretty much your only recognised striker Um, they've had quite a few other injuries to contend with as well Um, obviously Antonetti who's always been in the background I know that Onion was was sort of sitting on the bench for 18 months or so but um, I think it was probably Antonetti putting a lot of strings in the background anyway him coming back has been massive Um, I think a lot of the people who were there, the players who were there, are there because he was the one that, that, that asked for them. Um, and he obviously has got a lot more experience and tactical now, even though he was out-tacticked last night um, than, than Onyon. And, and I think it's been a really strong influence at the club for, for the younger players um, who are on a, on a very steep learning curve, I think. Um, you know, the, the problem... Probably last night, a lot of the, the we're talking about Lille earlier and how the the strikers are, are sort of sharing goals around. I think that the problem at Mess as well has been that they don't really have any reliable goal scorers, and and that's one of the things that's been so impressive about the fact that they've managed to stay up there. Because you look at you know um, Leia Seca, Gay, Brulaya, whose whose job isn't to score the goals. Ambrose, who's got a horrific record, um, Wagner, who's only recent, relatively recently come back from injury and hasn't come close to um, his Nazi form, although to be fair, obviously, is to step up in, in divisions. Um, none of them you look at and think they're going to get me 
uh, you know, 10, 12 goals a season. The only one that looked like that was Nian, who's been ruled out. So, um, you know, the record, record signing um, and Doran was ruled out before the season started as well. So they've, they've had a lot actually to contend with, which makes their position all the more impressive. And um, I think Mess fans now would think if we get into Europa League, that would be a, a massive bonus. We're still not expecting it. And the concern is, I suppose, are we going to be able to build on it next season? Um, you know, certainly players like, I, I would hope, Saar, who's going to be, I think, the next really big star, the next big sort of big player that's gone from Generation Foot to Mess. I think he's the next one that's going to go for big money and, mm-hmm. and we'll eventually see him at a, a very big club. Hopefully he'll still be there next season. But there's already talk about, you know, Santonetti has basically sat down with him and said, I think you can be in the France squad, but you probably need to find a bigger club in order to do that. Um, Kiate, I think a lot of people expected him to have a good season, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if people are looking to to, um, to to take him away from us in the summer as well. So as usual with a lot of French clubs, a lot depends on who's still there next year. But this is by far the best situation the club's been in since '98. Basically, there's been loads of works done to the to the state to expand the stadium, which would be obviously pointless while there's no fans but hopefully one day that will bear fruit um, they've got a, a new very good training complex everything about the club at the moment um, Sorin, the, the president and Antonetti are working very well together sadly they're, they're sort of bonded by by recent uh, close family tragedy but that that has meant that they you know that that bond makes them um, as I said work, work well um, so Things are very well set there at the moment. Europa League would be a bonus. Um, I think probably the the win against Bordeaux the other day, um, the way it was done, sort of come from behind and and last-minute victory, I think it was the first time that the players actually started to allow themselves to think about Europa League. And that might have been a factor in in sort of bottling it a little bit yesterday. Um, So it's a bonus, but everything else is still suggesting that they're well set to, to certainly end their years of being a, a yo-yo club or I think in France they say um, you know, in, a, in a lift, in an elevator um, and really establish themselves again as a very stable, secure league at club and then hopefully push on from there. Um, I think you know, obviously top four is way beyond them at the moment but if they were to finish sort of fifth or sixth like I said, that's a massive overachievement for this year. You know me, I, I love a, a, a project. I love a team that's kind of on a long-term route. And I've seen that with Mets recently. The Generation Foot stuff, incredible. It's just churning out new players every 20 minutes for them. So I love a team that is really on the up. And I do hope the Mets get on that next step and maybe get into Europe, if not this year, next year, and then really start to build on that. I love that stuff. I love those stories. I hate when teams just buy themselves to to success. I love when it's kind of over a long term 
uh, plan. I love that stuff. So let's hope the Mets really do start to kick on between now and the end of the season. But gentlemen, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for joining me once again, guys. Uh, I, I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Eric Devin, Thomas Wiseman and Jeremy Smith for this one. If you're looking for more information on all things French football in English. You can catch us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com or you can also check us on Twitter at GFFN. That's at GFFN on Twitter. And so another week passes in French football. We may not really have much in the way of a concrete TV deal, but we do have a title race for us all to illegally stream. Bye for now.